It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 648 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me today on Accelerate is Tom Payne. Tom's the president of Essential Growth Solutions and author of a book titled Selling with Charisma, the sales system used unwittingly by the world's best salespeople. And this episode, we're going to dive into the topic of how to sell with charisma. Now, according to Tom, you know, charisma really entails creating these strong, positive impressions in the mind of your buyer, and that being able to create those impressions is all about your mindset and your nonverbal behaviors. Now, you might hear that and think, well, that sounds like having charisma is an innate behavior, but, but Tom will share with you how anyone can develop this charisma, this presence, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, or a mix of both, like call an ambivert. So make sure you check this out. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 648. Friends, if you're a top performer in your current sales role and you're looking for a fresh challenge to take your career to the next level, then CenturyLink should be at the top of your list. With its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink is a world leader in many spaces, including cloud, security, hybrid IT, and managed services. So if you want the excitement, challenge, and rewards that come from selling industry-leading services to the enterprise, then visit CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate. Join their talent community. That's CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate. Once you join the talent community, a member of their team will reach out to see if a career at CenturyLink is the right step for you. Also, before I talk with Tom, let me remind you once again that coming up here on April 24th is the kickoff of the second Sales Leadership Accelerated Mastermind for SaaS sales leaders. We call that SaaS Slam for short. And participation in SaaS Slam is limited to founders and CEOs, CROs, and VPs of sales of high-growth SaaS companies only. Now, we call it Accelerated Mastermind because in just two days, you'll learn how to become better prepared to transform how you sell, how you scale, and how you develop the capability of your teams to crush your goals. Past participants include companies G2 Crowd, Adobe, MarketStar, AdRoll, many more. Our corporate partners providing support that we are very thankful for. For SaaS Slam, these are Storm Ventures, Outreach, Chorus, G2 Crowd, and Membrane. So for more information about SaaS Slam and to apply for your place at the table, Go to www.sasslam, that's S-A-A-S-S-L-A-M.com forward slash event one. That's sasslam.com forward slash event one. All right, let's get into it. Tom, welcome to Accelerate. Andy, I look forward to coming to this show and I'm glad to be here. Well, good. We're glad to have you here. So, standard question I ask all my guests to open the show is... In your opinion, what's what's the single biggest challenge that's facing sales professionals today? Oh, that's a good question. I would say the single biggest challenge facing sales professionals is access to proven techniques, learning things that actually work and are beneficial. And some of these techniques are not easy to master. Um, But once you know what these techniques are and and focus on this part of the craft, you can become an exceptional salesperson. Okay. So, well, give me an example. And and, and differentiate techniques from, you know, we're going to talk coming up about your book, Selling with Charisma and so on. But, I mean, are there techniques other than, you know, sort of things that relate, relate to the theme of the book? Absolutely. So, for example, 
there are elements of verbal charisma that aren't that easy to master. Um, Communicating your message through stories, for example. Stories are inherently memorable. People can remember a story months after you've told it, and it can generate this kind of influence long after the sales presentation is over. But being able to put your your words into a good story, that takes a lot of work. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's well worth investing time and mastering that. Differentiation, learning how to talk about the competitor's product in a way that's inoffensive to the customer. That is one of the most powerful techniques in sales. And if done correctly, it can win sales that you probably had no business winning or that you thought you had no business well, winning. So, so give me an example of that. So this, you're talking about the competitor's products in an inoffensive way. Yes. So one of the things that I would do to make it inoffensive, you have to establish a mindset in the customer's mind that you are the honest broker of objective information. I'd typically start a presentation by saying, what are the differences between the two products to see if they knew them? Oftentimes they didn't know the differences and I, I would continue. Well, if you don't know the differences by the time all these presentations are done, then you, you just really, you're just gonna flip a coin to make a decision because they're both the same products, but actually they're not. There's some very important differences. What I'd like to do during this presentation is share them with you. I'll speak in an objective, factual tone. If I say something that you believe to be untrue, then please interrupt me because I have access to marketing data about the about our competitor's product, but it could have changed. And if you know something that's different, please let me know. And when I go into the differences then, they see me as being the honest broker of objective information, and I do everything I can to live up to that by being honest and objective. And interesting. Okay. I mean, I think that that yeah, that's sort of interesting. I hadn't really thought of it in those that context. I mean, I think that that they then would probably feel obligated to give the same chance to the competitors. Yeah, but if they do, that's fantastic because the competitor probably is not as well-trained or well-versed in how to differentiate inoffensively. Again, it comes down to nonverbal behaviors that back up what you're saying. You have to have an expression of authority, which is strength, and of warmth, which means that you're not a threat. When you combine those two things together in your nonverbal behavior, they just listen mesmerized and they don't challenge you. And I've been in some of the most difficult sales situations where I've where I've actually had to compare my product to a beloved competitor's product and ended up walking away with the business. Okay, well you let's let's jump into your book because you've raised a couple of themes, you know, primary themes from the book. And so You've written a new book. It's called Selling with Charisma, the Sales System Used Unwittingly by the World's Best Salespeople. So just to start with, let's define charisma. Yeah, charisma. It's somewhat difficult to define, but I'll give it a go. It's that it factor that is enchanting and magnetic. It's something that uh, people develop over the course of their lives. The best salespeople have developed it over the course of their lives. And it's the engine driving charisma is nonverbal behavior. Charisma enables a salesperson to transfer the emotions that he's feeling or projecting directly into the customer's minds. And how that happens, we can we can cover. But that's what makes it so mysterious. It's, it's really a subconscious process, both on the part of the salesperson and on the part of the customer. And I can 
I can explain that um, better well, so, if you'd like. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into more detail on that. But uh, so one thing first comes to mind when we talk about selling with charisma and, and yeah, some look at it as as you know, something that you're you're born with. Basically, others say that um, you know perhaps it can be learned. But you know, is it innate or is it learned behavior? I think part of it might be innate because some of our personalities, whether we're extroverted or introverted, comes out at very, very early age. It, do, it doesn't seem to be taught. But then there are parts of it that you learn. So, for example, if you're keenly observant as a child or growing up and you notice how your smile has an impact on people or how your confident behavior has an impact on people. You subtly refine this over the period of time and it becomes who you are. So you you don't really think about it at this point. It's just you. And then let's say you're one of the best salespeople on on the team. You're highly charismatic. And then they, they promote you into sales management. They say, train your sales team to be just like you. And they can't do it. They're never able to do it because what makes them so good is something that's now subconscious to them. It's a part of their being. And how do they train somebody to, to you know, develop something that they've developed over the course of their life? Well, and we're going to, yeah, jump on that because that's, that's sort of the point is, is, I guess the first question was, is can introverts be charismatic in sales? Abs- absolutely. I'm an introvert. And I have sold with charisma, and it's something that anyone can learn. And it takes, it doesn't take long. It, I've taken the most, the least charismatic people and turned them into charismatic salespeople in a week or less. And how'd you do that? I taught them how to control their nonverbal behavior. I gave them some exercises that I used a long, long time ago that I never realized myself. It was changing my nonverbal behavior and making me charismatic. But I I noticed that their nonverbal behaviors were so awful because one person, for example, was trying was entering the most difficult sales situation of all, which is the job interview. You have to sell the most complex product yourself in a very pressure-packed situation. And this person had lost out 29 times in a row. So 29 different companies she'd interviewed at, and 29 times in a row she'd failed, and she came to me for help. And I could see that she was a nonverbal basket case. So I focused on just that one aspect alone. And then she went to interview number 30, and she not only got a job, they paid her 20000 more in salary than she was making 19 months before at her last job. And that's charisma, that you become somebody that's magnetic, that they want, that's attractive. Prior to this, she'd been overlooked 29 times in a row. Well, I was just thinking about that particular scenario that you, that you talked about. So, um, you know, it's to me, you know, a, a job interview is actually sort of the, the easiest sell. I mean, granted, there's stress and so on, other the things that work. But in general, because unlike almost anything else that you can sell, you know the product intimately. So I just wonder whether, yes, well, but to, to finish the question, is I wonder whether, you know, part of the issue is when people, in particular this client here that you were talking to, was that, yeah, she really hadn't looked at herself. You know, I've, tr- I've coached um, job seekers for 15, 20 years, written two books on the subject. So I'm very familiar with where they are and what they what they know when they're coming into the interviewing process. I've had senior people who are salespeople 
who knew nothing about their own strengths. Now, how can you articulate your strengths when you don't know what they are? Exactly. Most people most people don't know their strengths. And it's because we're too close to the product oftentimes, ourself. It's so difficult to be objective about ourselves. And so what I tended to do was take them through objective assessments so that they could so they could believe that they actually possess these strengths. But that was a, the biggest problem that I found with just about every job seeker. Self-insight, lack of self-insight. Correct. So, okay. So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll save this next question. So you talk about the charisma being a, a system. So let's, let's talk about that because, as you said, there's really sort of two key elements you sort of bring out, you know, the strength and the warmth. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Strength. When you radiate strength, think of George S. Patton, General Patton, or some other very, very strong commanding figure. They radiated authority and strength, and it basically tells you, I can get the job done for you. But if it's not balanced with warmth, it might also communicate, I can get the job done for you, and if I have to walk all over you to get it done, I will get it done. So strength without warmth can be somewhat threatening. And people who are in inter- who are interviewing others, they don't respond well to this threatening type of tone or nonverbal behavior. So when, when you balance it with warmth, it says, I can get the job done for you, and I'm not a threat. I'm a friend. I'm an ally. And those two together is a very, very powerful combination that um, has worked effectively for me and others who I've trained. Okay, so let's dive into each one of those. So warmth, what what does that mean? Warmth. I'll give you an example of someone who I was coaching who was all warmth and no strength. This person just had this softness to her eyes, this softness to her tone and expression. When she looked at you, her eyes almost communicated I'm encouraging you. Um, And so there's this gentleness that radiates from their face, their body language. It's very relaxed and and nothing is abrupt. When you're radiating all strength and no warmth, you're coming across with authority, with a voice that's deep, resonant, and you're leaning in, so to speak. So those, they're, they're, they're very different, but they can be perfectly blended. And when they are, it's very powerful. Well, I'm just wondering, how do you, how do you, it may be beauty, this is the case where beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I think we all have met sales professionals in our career, whether men or women, who, you know, people apply the word charismatic to it, but I mean, they're, I can sort of, sort of brash, sort of, you know, there's an inauthentic, inauthentic feel about it, um, though in some cases, you know, people sort of envy these people because they, oh gosh, they're, you know, they're able to connect with other people more easily, but there's, you know, there's something I said slightly off about it. So you know, when you're talking about strength, you're not talking about, I said, the sort of brashness. No, no, no. That, in fact, that's off-putting. It's something that you certainly don't want to possess. I'll give you an example of strength and warmth combined. I once went to a hospital where the people did not even want to be in the room. They were forced to listen to my presentation by the chief operating officer of the hospital because we were on the contract offering a substantial discount and the competitor who they loved wasn't on the contract and he knew he didn't have to offer a discount so they were going to have to pay list price if they went with the competitor. So they didn't want to listen to me. They they didn't like me. They had kicked my region manager out of their hospital before, banned him for life. They thought our company was horrible. And when I went in there, 
I was introduced to them. And as soon as I opened my mouth, this this nurse jumped up from her chair, got in my face and just started telling me how awful my company was. Why did I work for such an awful company, et cetera? I, After I, she, I think I worked for that company at one point, too. <laughs> as soon as I finished, as soon as she finished, I was just standing there and I was looking at her calmly, patiently, but not backing up one inch, not flinching. So there is strength there, but it was warmth and respectful. I wasn't trying to, um, you know, give off any vibe other than, okay, I'm listening to you. Your, your questions are very important. And then when I, when she finished, I looked at the audience and said, everything that she said is very important. I'll address every one of those points. Now let's get started. And I went into the presentation and within an hour, they were our customer. So it's just this kind of subconscious disarming enchantment. And during that time, I was speaking about their beloved competitor, their product, and how it was inferior to ours. So how could you do that with somebody who hates you, expresses their hatred of you, and get away with it? Charisma gives you the ability to do things in sales that if you didn't possess it, you couldn't pull it off. Well, in the sense that you're you – know, I hear you using the word charisma. I hadn't really thought about this when I was reading the book, but it's it's – in the sense you just use it there, you're really saying credibility. It generates all sorts of things. Charisma generates credibility, believability, trust, likability, because it just attracts people to you. And they were they were almost enchanted and hypnotized by what I was saying, because all of a sudden they would start erupting during my presentation. And this is a purely subconscious response. They'd start saying, we got to have that product. And, you know, in other words, these were hot primal emotions that were being um, that were coming up in their minds and they, they couldn't prevent themselves from speaking. So I knew before I left the room that I'd had that I was going to have that sale closed and it was closed. So we talked earlier about the importance of nonverbal cues that I think you're using to communicate strength and warmth. So so what are some of those key nonverbal cues? I would say the um, the most important one is facial expression. People make automatic subconscious assessments of another person just on facial expression alone. They did this research study where they had two photographs side by side, and they had the student, the people who were the experimental subjects. They looked at the two photographs for one second, and then they were asked the question which person do you feel was is more competent? And they ask that because competence is a very important variable in deci- deciding who you're going to vote for. You tend to vote for the more person you feel is more competent. Well, it turns out that they picked the, the one who they thought was more competent based on one second of facial nonverbal behavior, the facial expression. They picked the, the, the person who was going to win a senatorial contest 70% of the time, and the same for the House. So they, these two people, these two photographs were people, a Republican and a Democrat, running against each other in a Senate or House race, either from the past or one that was in the future. And they accurately predicted who the winner was 70% of the time. And that's just one second of, non, of nonverbal behavior. So we instantly assess people and we do it on more variables than of personality traits than just competence. We make the same assessment on likability, on trust, believability. So when you have this sort of charisma, you're saying things and it's like it's going it's it's like the voice from the burning bush. It's you have an authority that they would never question because you've sort of wrapped them into your field of influence. 
So let's talk about likability. I mean, how do you how do you increase your likability? Likability is generally increased by the warmth dimension, by smiles, by um, the the cast of your eyes is critical, and all of these things are just so minute that you think, well, how can I remember all that during a presentation? I mean, I'm thinking about what I'm trying to say. And the system that I developed, you don't think about your nonverbal behaviors. You've reprogrammed how they're expressed. And we can get into that. Yeah. That, well, so how do, you, how do you do that? I reckon the number one thing is visualization. Okay. So think about a golfer. A gol- most golfers visualize. Jack Nicklaus, for example, visualized before every golf swing he ever took, including golf swings in practice. And the reason why is there are about a thousand different things going on in a golf swing, and the, the rational conscious mind can't possibly deal with all of those different things. So he visualizes golf swing to put a program into the subconscious mind that would govern his his movements. And it works. Baseball players visualize. Olympic athletes visualize. Um, so it can help you control physical behavior. I would recommend to a person who is exi- emanating too much strength to just visualize themselves being warm. See themselves walking into the place where they're going to give the presentation, going up to the reception saying, hi, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm here to give a presentation. Um, I'm here to meet this person. And then just engage in small talk. See yourself relax and smiling and war- and emanating this kind of warmth. And then you're sitting down waiting for somebody to escort you to the presentation. You meet the person, you're smiling, and you're, you're walking and just chit-chatting along. And you're visualizing all of this. Now, when I was going to the sales hell challenge, as I call it, the woman who jumped up in my face and started yelling at me, I had visualized that because I expected that this would probably happen. They did not want to be there. So I expected them both antagonizing me at the beginning of the of the presentation and at the end. And so I wasn't surprised by it. Their their ambush, it didn't work. And I had the the nonverbals were already visualized that I'd be standing there erect, authoritative, but yet nodding my head with an in an understanding way and showing that I get the fact that she's upset. And I'm, I'm honoring that, but I'm not going to be caving in as a result of that. And that's exactly the, what I did express non-verbally. And I didn't have to think about it because my mind had been programmed to do this already. Yeah, just thinking of that situation that you're in is, is it seems like a fine line between being perceived, you know, to some of the actions perhaps being perceived as a little condescending versus strength. No, you know, somebody's angry, you listen to them, you focus on them. And that's another part of charisma's focus. Okay. Um, Because if we don't focus on someone, if we're looking at something else, our watch, whatever, it communicates, you don't matter. Something else matters more. So I focus all my attention on her, nodding respectfully, politely, and um, but yet not showing any fear. And being relaxed the whole time. So it wasn't condescending. It was just saying, uh, I'm listening to you. I respect what you're saying. And I will respond. And I did. Yeah. No, I, I was just sort of thinking. It's like the head nod was what triggered the thought. It's like, you know, yeah, to me that I'd, yeah, I'd be careful myself doing that because yeah, I'd worry that it's coming across as, as a little inauthentic with the, the head nod. Sort of this, you know, quote unquote, active listening act, if you will as opposed to truly being focused on what they're saying. 
Well, no, it's, it is active listening, and it is important that they understand that you are listening to them, and you're nodding, you're saying, okay, I get that, I see that point, and it it was not perceived in a bad way by this audience at all. And this audience was not very favorable toward me, so it's um, one where they were they would have been happily critical of me at any opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there for sure. And I, no, I was just talking about myself being in that situation. So, But it brings up a, a thought, so how... You know, you're a frontline manager. You're looking at professional and personal development plans for for your sales people, and you think, okay, how do you how do you begin to assess? Okay, you know, this is a shortcoming I, that this ability to be charismatic, to connect and engage the, and inspire the interest of of the prospect. How do you how do I said how do you assess that? As step one and step two then is. Really, in sort of you know, practical step-by-step fashions, you know, how, do you, how do you start inculcating behavior change? Okay, first of all, the most important thing that you mentioned, um, well, both things were important, but the, the most important step, the initial step, is the manager has to be able to recognize nonverbal behavior and sort of see it at a deeper level than the average person, than most people. What I recommend is studying nonverbal behavior, and you can study it. Typically, the best place to study it is... Um, on some of these shows where you have debates, heated, spirited debates, and you can see how the host oftentimes has this, this position where they're confident and everything else, but then sometimes the opposition gets in, scores points, and you can slowly see their, their facial expression starting to go from confident to hostile, and by watching it and trying to see these signals, you actually begin to see them. I, my favorite time for watching nonverbal behavior is during the political season. And I'm only going to deal with one candidate here who didn't win, um, but his nonverbal behaviors to me, when I first saw them, I thought, there's no way this person's going to win. He had the most money, the most name recognition, but his nonverbal behaviors were a disaster. And that was Jeb Bush. Um, He might might be a great guy. I'm not saying he is or isn't, but his nonverbal behaviors communicated the most awful message. And as a consequence, it didn't matter how much money he spent. He was always finishing in the lower rungs of the of the different nominating races. Yeah, well, I think that's a case that that speaks to what you talked about with the the initial perception, the first impression that you know research shows that yeah, these perceptions are formed very quickly, but also that that and this you know word warning for for salespeople is that once these perceptions are formed is people are very reluctant to change the perception of somebody and exactly even, right even, even when confronted with evidence to the contrary that yeah people are loath to let let their perceptions go so when you think about the importance of this you know these first interactions with people and having you know the charisma projecting the warmth and the strength to create that because yeah poor jeb yeah yeah, I mean, even before Trump tagged him as as lazy or whatever he did, I can't low remember. energy, low energy um, <laughs> is yeah. Obviously, there was something that was that was communicating that because you know people latched on to that low energy thing pretty quickly, and because I think they'd all sensed it. Exactly. Now, what you're saying is critical. You said about the the speed with which we form a first impression. A first impression is also a mindset. And mindsets, they form quickly, they resist change, and they assimilate all new incoming information to fit the existing image. So it's very difficult to change them once they're set. 
That's why it's so critical to practice these exercises before you go into a new sales situation where you're meeting people for the first time, because they're looking at you from the very second you walk through the door and you need to be projecting this kind of confidence and and likability or warmth. And I used to visualize myself walking into the room and starting to introduce myself to people, shaking their hand, asking who, what their name was, what their role was in this decision-making process or, or what was important for them that they wanted me to cover. And this was before the presentation started. So I'd be circulating through the room, introducing myself individually to these different people who were going to be listening to the presentation. And they were forming a mindset of me, but a favorable one. And this was all occurring before I said a word during the presentation. But to your point, you're saying that beforehand you visualized yourself doing that, though. Exactly, because you want to look nonverbal behavior is a subconscious expression of the way we feel. So if you feel sad, you automatically look sad. If you feel joyful, you automatically look joyful. And here's the power of nonverbal behavior. If I'm around a sad person, I begin to feel sad. If I'm around a joyful person, I feel their joy. So we actually communicate our emotional state to another person through our nonverbal behavior. And it's because of the we have this thing called the mirror neuron system. We're wired to function this way. And this is why nonverbal behavior has such a powerful impact on the customer's perception of the salesperson. Yeah, I, I agree 100% on visualization. And I've written about this and, and not necessarily tying it to charisma, but I mean – you do have to visualize the outcomes you want to have it, you know, achieve in a certain situation, whether it's you're giving a talk in front of a group of people, whether it's you're meeting a room of people, as you talked about, and networking with them first, is, you know, this is one of the most important things you can do. And, and it's skipped by salespeople because, you know, unfortunately too many salespeople think, I'm in sales because put me in a situation I can talk my way out of it, right? Exactly. <laughs> and by visualizing what we're doing is saying, give yourself the tools and the strength to talk yourself into something. Yeah. Another thing I did, or I taught people to do, and this is a very important step as well. And it's, you back up your visualization with what I call positive self-talk because throughout the day we have this conversation going on in our head nonstop. It's called self-talk. And what what you can do is you can turn it into a positive self-talk experience. So it could be something like you're telling yourself, I radiate confidence and warmth because I know I am up to this situation and task. I've done this before and I look forward to doing it again. And you just keep, for me, I kept telling myself, I radiate warmth. I'm charming. I'm outgoing with people. I, when I walk into a room, they see my smile and they understand that I am their friend, their ally and not a threat. And the reason why I continually did that with the warmth, non uh, positive self-talk is because I was so aggressive I was so strong in my nonverbal behaviors. I had just gotten out of the military. I was an airborne ranger trained infantry officer, and there was nothing soft about me. And in fact, it was too, it was, I could tell people were being repelled by my nonverbal behavior. And so that's why I developed these, um, these techniques to help soften it, because I knew if I didn't, I wasn't going to be long for this world in sales. Well, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating story. I mean, because that's, I think that's how. Well, most of the thought leaders are sales, quote unquote, experts. I know sales authors that you know, have written something that I found really interesting is, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of research that talks about, and you reference you know, a lot of it in the book in terms of social psychology and so on. But, but we get these insights 
oftentimes through what we do for ourselves. Exactly. And the thing is, it's really weird. I never realized that by doing that, I had all of a sudden become charismatic. I didn't realize that it was the reason why all of a sudden I was selling at such a high level. I mean, I would walk into a room with a heckler. We had a a $4 million piece of business that was at stake. And this heckler was just going after me the entire time. But I had visualized it beforehand and it was actually playing to my advantage. We closed that deal. But again, if you would ask me what had the most influence on that sales, I would probably tell you, well, the presentation I developed, when actually it was the nonverbal communication that said, I'm in charge of the situation and I'm not going to be offended by this. And it won the entire crowd over to me. It was it was a remarkable experience. Well, <laughs> hopefully they reprimanded that guy. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So, all right, Tom, unfortunately we've run out of time. So, uh, great talk. So tell folks how they can learn more about the book and about you and connect with you. Well, they can go to my website, tompain.com, T-O-M-P-A-Y-N-E.com. There you can read a couple of chapters from the book, Selling with Charisma. There are links that take you to Amazon where you can buy the paperback. I think it's $9.99 and the ebook is $3.65. I, charged, I made that price so that you can figure out that is it worth one penny a day for one year? I think you'll find that it's worth a lot more than that. Yeah. Well, I don't think they'll let, let you pay for it on the, the one day at a, <laughs> one penny at a time. But yeah, spring for the 365. That'll be easy enough to do. All right. Well, Tom, thank you very much. And uh, friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back. Join us next time for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>